tell you what, it's a Scorchio Tremendo here in uh, the Costa del Salford. Pretty warm day. Hope it's uh, fine, and I uh, hope you're fine and in good fettle wherever you are. Thanks for joining me on Thursday's programme. It is the 19th of May, 2022. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. As usual, do leave me a message or a comment on the website, richieallen.co.uk. It's a comment live. It couldn't be easier to do that. Comment live will chat away, you and me. Gerald Salente, the legendary publisher of the Trends Journal, old and dear friend of this programme, he'll join us live in around about 25 to 30 minutes time from Kingston, New York. Don't miss him. Trendsjournal.com. And a bit later on, another good, uh, good, very good friend of ours, uh, the great Gareth Ike, will be live on the line from Derby. Can't wait to catch up with Gareth. You know, he's... uh, very involved with the iconic platform these days and presents an excellent program there. So that's the program then, Thursday. Yeah, it is, yeah. What am I doing now? Ah, that's the one. I pressed the wrong button. I turned down the wrong... I pulled down the wrong fader. Would you believe it? I had a conversation this afternoon with a lovely gentleman called Rob who uh, we spoke. He's in New York and he represents TuneIn, the TuneIn streaming, radio streaming platform, TuneIn.com. I was delighted to hear from him. You'll know that over a week ago, the Richie Allen Show disappeared off of TuneIn.com. And when listeners to this programme began tweeting TuneIn to ask why, someone at TuneIn inadvertently and and I do buy this, it does happen, told a listener that there was a complaint. It had something to do with content. And that is why the programme was deleted. So what that said to me was that the programme was being booted off of TuneIn because of something I had said or because of some issue that I had covered on the programme. But that's not the case, strangely enough. Rob tried to get a hold of me for the best part of a week I told him I work alone. We Skyped today and uh, lovely, lovely fella. He said, look, this is the way it is. We deleted quite a few radio stations from the platform, he said, on the day we deleted you. And that is because there was a court judgment in the UK to do with music licensing. And we were told that we would be in contempt of court if we didn't remove platforms or stations that didn't have the appropriate music license in the UK. And that is what what happened, he said. So we spoke about it. And I explained to him that, you know, I wasn't or hadn't previously uh, been in need of a license. But things have changed in terms of licensing. So the programme will have to purchase a, a, a music license. And it's a lot to do with the Sunday Morning Melodies programme. So I'm going to do that. 
uh, straight away. I've been in touch with the relevant licensing authority and it means that the Richie Allen Show will be back on TuneIn.com probably in a week or so because it doesn't happen overnight. The licensed thing doesn't happen overnight. And such a lovely bloke is Rob that he said to me he's going to work with me to grow the show on the TuneIn platform uh, uh, you know, to give it a broader reach there. You know, it's always had a good reach. I got the impression from him that he was fairly impressed with how, you know, many listeners the show had attracted on TuneIn over the years. And uh, so that's good. I'm pretty happy about that. I was in good form anyway today, but that has given me a bit of a, a, bit of a boost. Lovely man. And uh, misunderstanding, the show will be on TuneIn soon. And that's really important. It really is. Uh, I talked to him about the online harms bill. You know, I told him that in the future, pressure might be brought to bear on TuneIn not to carry uh, shows like mine. We discussed that a little bit and uh, we might discuss it again in the future. But there you are. To the legions, because I understand it was legions of people who complained to tune in via Twitter. And by all accounts, pretty much everybody was fairly polite, apparently. Uh, thank you for doing it. There you are. Some good news. Some some ma, as we say, back in God's country. What about that idiot George W. Bush? Um, I'm sure you've heard this by now. The result is an absence of checks and balances in Russia and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. What? I mean, of Ukraine. <laughs> Iraq, too. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> 75. Uh, He's 75, he said. I'd like to think now, or imagine it's probably not very Christian of me, I'd like to imagine dementia taking a big fat bite out of Bush's arsehole. In the very near future. So just like Toodles crawling around the floor looking for his marbles, maybe Bush will end his days crawling around in his own filth on his ranch looking for WMDs. Did you ever find those WMDs, Bush? What a chunt. He was speaking at his own foundation was the idiot. It's funny that to laugh about killing a million people, isn't it? I mean, even if he didn't make the mistake and say Iraq instead of Ukraine. Is there any... Is irony lost on these people? Is humanity lost on them? You don't get to criticise any other president for invading a sovereign nation, you goon. Anyway, idiocy is everywhere today. Did you see this? Have you ever heard of something called Never Events? No? It's not a company that stages concerts, no. Never Events is a name given to things so serious that they should never happen in the National Health Service. That's what they call it. Something that should never happen. That's a never event. That should never happen. But apparently in England alone, there were 407 never events in one year. 
These are serious, largely preventable patient safety incidents that shouldn't occur if healthcare providers have implemented existing national guidance or safety recommendations. That's an official quote from NHS England. But between April 2021 and March of this year, there were eight never events every week, up from the seven per week seen the previous year. The PA News Agency, the Press Association, has discovered this. Among these 407 events, there were 98 cases of a foreign object being left inside a patient by mistake. Vaginal swabs were left in patients 32 times and surgical swabs were left inside 21 times. And incredibly, on other occasions, a pair of wire cutters. What? Part of a scalpel blade and the bolt from surgical forceps were left inside patients. And incredibly, there were three occasions when part of a drill bit was left inside a patient. Vaudeville. And that reminds me, if you're Irish and you're my age, you may remember Gareth O'Callaghan presenting radio programmes for Radio 2. Uh, afternoon, lunchtime, early afternoon. He used to come on after Larry Gogan. The golden hour. He used to come on after Larry. And Gareth O'Callaghan was a good presenter. I think he wrote books too. I think he's an author, is he? But uh, he used to do the old spoof phone calls, prank phone calls, which I always found hilarious. And I haven't been able to locate this one, but he got into a bit of legal soup, did Gareth O'Callaghan, back in the early 90s, because he, he was asked to prank call a listener's wife who had just been in hospital. Now, he used to do this live on air, would you believe? He didn't pre-record them, which was a bit stupid, really, in hindsight. He would do it live. So he phoned up this woman after the husband said, phone up the wife there and prank her. And he told her that he was Dr. So-and-so from a hospital in Dublin, the one she'd been at, obviously. And he said that they just realised that they'd left the scalpel inside her. Now, obviously, he gave her a few little subtle clues that it was a prank call. He asked her not to cough and he asked her to be careful sitting down and all this sort of stuff. But she lost her mind and slammed the phone down, got into her car and raced to the hospital at breakneck speed. There was a lawsuit, and if I remember, 2FM RTE eventually settled out of court. So be careful with the old prank calls. I made a few over the years myself, but sadly, I don't have any audio. Yes. Wonderful. Anyway, female referees, I hear, I see you're covering the important stuff today, Richie. The cost of living crisis, Ukraine. No, no, no. Prank phone calls, that's more important. And female referees. Female referees, dear listener, will officiate matches at this year's Men's World Cup for the first time in the tournament's history. What kind of fuckery is this? There goes the game. Women will be refereeing at this year's Men's World Cup for the first time in the tournament's history. Now I wonder, first of all, doesn't matter. Why does it even matter? 
women have been refereeing uh, men's games now at various levels for quite some time. They, there, there's no discernible difference in the quality of the officiating when the women are doing, doing it, it's just as good. Uh, France's Stef- Stephanie Frappard, Rwanda's Salima Mukasanga, and Japan's Yoshimi Yamashita have been selected to referee games. So the referee, and I wonder how much of this is a bit of piss taken by the foosball authorities. Is it a coincidence that the very first World Cup men's World Cup that will see women referees is the one in Qatar. I wonder if there's a bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of messing going on. That's the sort of thing I would do. The women are good enough anyway. I'm not trying to score points. They are. They obviously are. I mean, the best assistant referee in the men's game is a woman called Sean Massey. Absolute genius. She's fantastic. So that's good. I wonder, is it down to the fact that it's in Qatar, I wonder. Anyway, yeah, good stuff. 36 referees, 69 assistant referees and 24 video match officials have been chosen for this year's tournament in Qatar, or Qatar, of course, is taking place over the winter because of the temperatures there. Yes, yes. And you know, because of this announcement that the women will be refereeing the men at the World Cup, I looked for a few sexist jokes and I couldn't find any football-related sexist jokes, even though I searched high and low this afternoon, to the detriment of this monologue. Obviously, obviously, yeah. So that's what you were doing then all afternoon and this is why you're talking about scalpels and stuff. Exactly. I was looking for sexist jokes to do with football. Couldn't find any. But I did find some others in my quest. Would you like to hear them? It is Thursday. It is warm outside. Let's keep it light-hearted. What do you think? <clears throat> I found a few. I found a few. I, I even dragged out the canned laughter track, but, but, I'm not going to use it. These jokes either stand up on their merit or they don't. Uh, three women went for a job interview. The guy interviewing them asked them all the same question. What would you do if you found an extra £50 note in your paycheck that you shouldn't have received? Uh, The first woman said, I'd give it back because it wasn't mine. The second woman said, I'd give it to charity. The third woman was honest and she said, I'd keep it for myself and go out for a few drinks. Which one of the women got the job? That's right, the one with the biggest tits. Here's another one for you. An old lady was getting on the bus to go to the pet cemetery, if such a thing exists, with the remains of her cat. As she was getting on the bus, she whispered to the bus driver, I have a dead pussy. The driver pointed to the lady sitting behind him and said, sit with me wife, you two have a lot in common. Three women were trapped on an island. They needed to get across the water to the mainland. Luckily enough for them, a genie appeared on the scene, as they always do. The genie said, I'll give you three wishes, ladies. The first woman said, turn me into a fish. So she swam across the water to the other island. The second woman said, give me a boat. And she rowed to the other side. The third woman said, turn me into a man. And she walked across the bridge. Lovely. Now, you might remember, I was in the Lake District last month, me and the missus, and we saw a policeman remonstrating with a woman. So we ambled over. 
We could hear the conversation. The policeman said, Madam, swimming is prohibited in this particular part of the lake. The woman said, why didn't you tell me when I was removing my clothes? And the police officer said, well, that's not prohibited. Not great, that. Not great. No, no. Moving swiftly along. A man is lying on the beach wearing nothing but a cap over his tackle. A cap over his crotch. A woman passing by says, if you were any sort of a gentleman, you would lift your hat to a lady. He said, if you were good looking love, the hat would lift by itself. There's only two more. A young young woman was taking golf lessons and had just started playing her first round of golf. When she was stung by a bee, the pain was intense. So she ran back to the clubhouse for some medical assistance. The golf pro saw her heading back and he said, You're back early, what's wrong? I was stung by a bee, she said. Where, he asked, between the first and second holes, she said. He nodded and said, your stance is far too wide. (laughs) Is there two more of these or should I just move on? You want to hear the other two? Fair enough. I hear you loud and clear. I discovered last week the answer to a question that has been puzzling scientists for hundreds of years. What is the exact difference between a split second and a nanosecond? I found out last week. The future Mrs. Allen and I were getting ready to go out to see a movie when just as we were about to walk out the door, Caroline said, she asked the question that every guy dreads. She said, does this make my arse look too big? If I had said no in a nanosecond, we'd have been out the door. But since I took a split second, she had to go to the uh, bedroom again and the wardrobe and the clothes changing and it took about an hour and a half. What is easier to pick up the heavier it gets? A woman. And finally, and this is a bit of a news story, I, I figured out how to get rid of this epidemic of trans women. I figured it out, how to get rid of the epidemic of trans women taking over from real women. We're idiots. The answer was in front of our eyes all the time. Just arrest the trans for... for male fraud. For male fraud. I'm not here all week, you'll be glad to know. 18 minutes it is past the hour. I'm Richie Allen, the BBG. This is the Richie Allen Show, live from Salford. Gerald Salente and Gareth Syker, the guests. Welcome to the show. Yeah, run DMC, Aerosmith and walk this way. The time, 21 minutes past five. We've been talking this week about the about the plan, the plans even, to, to give the World Health Organization the running of future pandemics, to give it so much power that it would control the pandemic response in the future for the entire world, including things like vaccine mandates and stuff and lockdowns and stuff like that. This is dreadful, of course. I did catch a little bit of a conversation between Talk Radio's Julia Hartley Brewer and a guy called Jay Batachera. Jay Batachera is a professor, he is a scientist, he's Stanford University and he's, I suppose, more well-known these days for co-authoring the Great Barrington Declaration. You might remember that. Here he is talking a little bit with, uh, as I said, Julia Hartley Brewer. The lockdown strategy is not the right strategy to use almost from the beginning. Um, and it's, it's actually still shocking to me that we launched ourselves into it without, uh, without too much uh, of a fuss. 
and, and the fact that so many people are willing to just sort of say, oh, it was not going to happen again, don't worry about it. This meeting, the World Health Organization Assembly, um, this is not um, a sort of a Twitter conspiracy theory, is it? There is a meeting about having a new pandemic. Well, it's called an accord because the Americans didn't like the word treaty, couldn't get through their Senate. But a, 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 a accord, it's already got to 25 leaders of the world, including uh, a, Br a British Prime Minister, who have signed up to this. Um, expected that most countries in the world would sign up to it, which would basically have a pandemic response and preparedness policy decided by the World Health Organization. And they would basically decide whether or not countries should or should not lock down, when they should or should not lock down, with punishments and sanctions if they do not follow what the World Health Organization has directed. So it's bad enough, I think, having elected accountable governments making these decisions about our lives. This is an unelected, unaccountable body that is about to be given those powers. What do you make of that? Yeah, before he answers, is about to be given these powers. There doesn't, it's, an, it's a racing certainty that this is going to go ahead. Sadly, I don't want to depress you on Thursday, but it's a racing certainty. What's his response? Yeah, I mean, I think there's like two dif different things that are going on at the same time. One is this, uh, just as you say, Julia, this, this negotiation of a new treaty. Uh, I mean, they can call it an accord if they like, but it's just a treaty that, uh, uh, you know, that, that it has a hodgepodge of things, but it certainly it empowers the World Health Organization to declare pandemics, which it, it didn't previously have that power. Um, it call it there are some good things in it so for instance it, it, it would make member states uh share genomic sequences of viruses they find um it would it might make it a little harder for china for instance to hide the the, the pandemic of the way it did um so there's some 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 good things and you know vaccine sharing which i think I'm, I'm in favor of but i think the the main problem is it does seem to to enshrine uh, what they call non-pharmaceutical interventions which is essentially a, a you know code word for lockdowns um, into into the goals of of the of the pandemic. The other the other thing that they're doing is, in addition to this new new pact or accord, is something called uh, the is, is an, an existing pact uh, called the International Health Regulations. It was an existing treaty from two thousand five, and they're also updating that. And that has all kinds of interesting things, including uh, calling on member states to appoint somebody who can command an all of government approach to the to, to managing pandemics. Uh, vastly expanding essentially the power of the state during uh, during declared pandemics, uh, the, where the idea seems to be to, to better coordinate uh, governments all across the world yeah. to, uh, to when when the World Health Organization sort of uh, does. Uh, but, but if, they, if they decide that the, this is something that uh, requires a lockdown, they sort of wave their wand, and and every government that signed up does as it's told. That's yeah. that's right. He goes on to confirm that's right, and sanctions. Um, punitive measures taken against countries who don't do what they're told. And I keep going back to this clip. I could have dug it out again today. I won't. I'll, I'll play it sometime next week because it is interesting. The, uh, the top man at the Council on Foreign Relations, Richard Haas, he discussed this about two years before the COVID scam. He discussed World Order 2.0, where countries would not be allowed to act in the interest in, in countries wouldn't be allowed to act or governments would not be allowed to act in the interest of their own country if it could be demonstrated that their actions were negatively impacting another country. It was an astonishing bit of audio. We played it quite a bit at the time. So we can't allow that. You know, for, and, he, and he mentioned coal mining and stuff. 
Like, we couldn't put up with that, basically, if a country decided to mine coal. And that was exacerbating the onset of catastrophic climate change. So there was no mention of pandemics, really, at the time. But, but now, when you think back to what he was saying, this is where it was all leading. Countries will do what they are told during pandemics. They can't be allowed to do anything even if they believe those countries, those governments, that they are doing the right thing by their people, they cannot be allowed to do that unless it's in accordance, in alignment with that which we have said is okay. It's global governance. And I've got to say this because it bears saying or repeating. You know, a lot of men and women, some of them still with, with us and broadcasting to big audiences, but some of them dead and gone, you know, they were derided, they were mocked, they were basically cast out, you know, banned from, uh, from, from TV and radio and whatnot, and, you know, labelled as lunatics for talking about a, a march to global governments, governance, talking about one world governments. You know the names of the people I'm talking about. David Icke, Jim Mars, Jordan, rest in peace, Jordan and uh, Jim Mars. Many others I could mention who way back in the 90s, in the early 90s, in the 80s, in the 70s, were saying this is where society is going to go. It's where it's meant to be taken. And they're openly talking about it now. As uh, Robert Hansen said on the programme last night, the barrister, they're openly talking about things that they once used as a stick to beat people up with, you know. They're openly admitting global governance is the desired outcome, uh, something which they used to destroy people's characters many times over the years. And that's, um, that interests me. This is your Richie Allen show. You can comment on it. Gareth Ike, or two, coming up in a couple of minutes, the great Gerald Salente, live from Kingston in New York. You can comment on the programme by going to richieallen.co.uk, comment live. That's how you do it. Yes. Chris Morell says, so Julia Hartley Brewer has deigned to have on a great Barrington Declaration signatory. Uh, Chris, she, she has had a great Barrington Declaration scientist on before. At least on the surface, Julia Hartley Brewer has been against lockdowns. It's 29 minutes past five. Let's welcome back to the programme a great friend of ours. It's always a privilege to have him on. He is the publisher of the fantastic, relevant, always vital Trends Journal. Uh, do subscribe to it. Go to trendsjournal.com or trendsresearch.com. He's a terrific advocate for peace as well. Um, and a very funny man. Check out Trends in the News with Gerald Salente. Uh, on YouTube, he's live from Kingston, New York. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you so much for the kind words. They're, they're true. I only speak the truth. Every word of it is true. It's warm here. It's kind of, it feels a bit like New York here in Greater Manchester. The, the, the journal is brilliant. I say that because you're kind enough to, to, to give me the journal. I don't get many privileges, but I get, I get the journal as a journalist. It's fantastic. We always talk about the artwork because it's brilliant. You always give credit to your artists. The articles are fantastic. You're talking this week about a lot of things, but particularly the rank hypocrisy of the current president of the United States selling, well, trillions, not trillions, but billions of dollars, or not even selling them, pouring them into Ukraine 
while at the same time he's criticising gun ownership in, in your country. No humility, no irony, no sense of irony, Gerald, with these people. No, there's no sense of irony because say you're walking down the street and you see some crazy person in the street and, you know, you know, they're out of their minds, right? Yeah. yeah. Boris Johnson, Katzon Macron, Biden, all the little political freaks are mentally deranged people. They hide it. They're psychopaths, they're sociopaths, and they're pathological liars. They are hiding who they really are. These are mentally deranged people. They're murderers and thieves. By your deeds, you shall know them. So people think, oh, they're politicians and what? Hey, grow up. They're not, these are, again, how many wars do they have to start? And how much more money do they have to steal from us before people wise up? They don't wise up now. They're never going to wise up. We'll talk about the cost of living crisis, which is devastating people already in this country and in this city where I am now. Speaking of psychopaths, again, you have to pinch yourself to to make sure that you're actually awake, to see George Bush giving a speech at his foundation, uh, daring to criticise the Russian president for a brutal, terrible invasion of, and then, oops, he slips and he says Iraq before correcting himself and saying Ukraine, even without the Freudian slip, Gerald. Again, no sense of irony or humility. A million people were killed in Iraq. That's a conservative estimate, I believe. And three million more were displaced by the actions of this man. And yet he feels it's okay to condemn the president of uh, Russia. These are mad times. Psychopathy is right. As I said, look at this little clown. Look at this little arrogant nobody boy of nothing. A little daddy's boy. A little daddy's boy. Oh, I forgot naming freaks. How about that guy up in Canada? True dope. Another arrogant little daddy's boy. You'd be nobody arrogant bush with a pair of cojones smaller than a mothball. If my daddy wasn't George and my grandpa wasn't Prescott. Oh, do you mean the Prescott selling weapons and stuff and all doing the deals with Hitler? Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah. All right. George Carlin, the great comedian, used to say, it's one big club and you ain't in it. Here's a this is qu- a criminal club. Again, you, that Bush shooting off his fat mouth, the results in an absence of checks and balances in Russia, and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. Yeah. Quote, he is the one man that launched the unholy, unjustified, and brutal invasion of Iraq, and all these low-life little boys and girls, these prostitutes, these media whores that get paid to put out by their corporate pimps and their government whoremasters, they never called out Bush. Hey, 
the BBC and the Guardian and, and the New York Times and all of the media. Hey, how come you weren't running every day, day after day, photos and shots and videos of America's destruction of Iraq, of, of Afghanistan, oh, and NATO, of Libya, of Syria. How come you never showed that? I'll tell you why we never showed that. Because we're low-life pieces of scum that morons and imbeciles tune in to see what kind of crap we're spewing out. You'll remember that The Guardian newspaper wrote an apology to its readership sometime around 2009. Apologise for not holding the government to account over Ah. Iraq. Remember, we'll never do it again, they said. We'll never do it again. And then, as you said, NATO happened, Libya happened, and it was the same bullshit, the same lies, the same stories. Gerald Salente is our guest. Can, Can I ask you a very quick question? I don't mean in any way to be glib or flippant in any way. Bush came from George H.W. Bush, who came from Prescott Bush. It's good that you mention him, because a lot of listeners, maybe younger listeners, won't know too much about him. These were psychopaths. And and I believe, and it's just a belief, I believe that George H.W. Bush was involved from a command and control point of view in the assassination of JFK. I believe that. So my question would be, and again, I don't mean to be glib, George W. Bush didn't have much of a chance, did he? You don't have much of a chance if you're born into that gene pool, right? Do you know what I'm getting yeah, at? These are, these are crazy people. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you mentioned about the assassination of JFK. You know, I, I have a photograph of me and John Connolly, who was the governor of Texas, that sat in front of Kennedy that took the bullet in the back. And I have a photo of me, John Connolly, and his wife in front of the book depository. And he wanted to meet me. It was back in 1992. And we were parked out in a limousine out in front. And he told the story of what happened that day. And when you look at the photos of uh, Connolly and, and Kennedy, like leaving the Dallas uh, you know, mayor's office or whatever it was, and they're smiling from ear to ear. So if people think that Connolly had anything to do with it, they're wrong. You know, the guy took a bullet in the back and he almost died. We stayed in touch. It was October of 1992, and we stayed in touch until February 93, and then he died in April. But again, it's, it's a go back and put the whole thing together. We, here we are after the disastrous pullout of Afghanistan. And again, the media never talked about America's illegal invasion of Afghanistan. Again, little Georgie Bush, I'm not making this up. We're going to get Saddam, uh, Osama bin Laden dead or alive. And, and again, Afghan had nothing to do with 9-11. There were 15 of the 19 alleged people on the planes that blew up, you know, the World Trade Center hit the Pentagon, the other one had crashed. They were from Saudi Arabia. And Going back to Osama bin Laden, the Mujahideen was created under George W. Bush, uh, under uh, Jimmy Carter and Brzezinski, another arrogant, arrogant, arrogant. Oh, 
Another arrogant daddy's boy. Oh, and now his kids are in the in the loop. They they created the Mujahideen to defeat the Russians in Afghanistan. That's right. And then they became Al Qaeda. So it, it's a it's a these are mentally ill people. They are mentally deranged. But the media never goes after George Bush. It never goes after murderous Bill Clinton. And oh, how they sanctified Madeline, not all that bright. Yeah, this is the woman, Madeline Albright, on 60 Minutes with Leslie Stahl. And Leslie Stahl asks her, are the sanctions that Bill Clinton put on the Iraqis that have cost the lives of over 500,000 Iraqi children under the age of five worth the sanctions? And she said, yes, it is. That's right. That's right. And I can tell you another quick one. I did a gig for, on the QE2 back in 2002. On, um, and it was for the top marketing executives of the world, BMW, the best of the best. And the leadoff speaker was Madeleine Albright. And here she looked like the queen of tarts with this red thing on more makeup than you could, could, you could buy in a store. And they give her an introduction. I'm not kidding. It lasted for almost 15 minutes. Madeleine Albright was born in Czechoslovakia. Her father was this, her mother was that, her grandfather was this, her grandfather was that. She got honors in this and honors in that, on and on and on and on. Anyway, the next day I kick off the, you know, I'm the, the lead speaker. And they introduced me, Gerald Salenti, you know, founder of the Trends Research Institute, publisher of the Trends Journal, best-selling books, Trends 2000, trend tracking, far better than Megatrends, Time Magazine, blah, blah, blah. You see them on Oprah, this one, that one, magazine. So they give me about a, a two-minute introduction, and I go up, and I said, thank you very much for that introduction. I said, but I felt short-changed <laughs> after hearing Madeleine Albright's <laughs> last night. The audience broke out laughing. <laughs> And then I and then I said, and what you also didn't say was that I graduated PS seventy six in the Bronx without honors. But anyway, that's my Madeline Albright Fantastic. story. Fantastic, it's a brilliant, and an brilliant arrogant, story. Arrogant, I'm glad she's dead, and she should rot in hell for all of the wars that she loved to commit, along with all the rest of them. How could they're you, warmongers, yeah. they're murderers. Again, stop gun control, but how many $40 billion, it's about $54 billion the United States has already sent to Ukraine. And, and the streets in the United States, they're rotted. New York, from, from Manhattan to all, from rotted streets, potholes everywhere. Oh, oh, get this. They're giving $27 billion to fix our rotting bridges that are collapsing. $27 billion. They just sent Ukraine about $54 billion in, in weaponry. Oh, and that $27 billion? That's over five years. So we can what, about $5.3 billion a year. Yeah. Instead of, and this is going to sound naive, but it isn't because I'm being ironic, instead of Biden... And um, his Secretary of State flying to Moscow with Zelensky and saying, listen, the game is up now. We, we accept we, we can't keep expanding NATO and we can't keep surrounding your country. Let's let bygones be bygones and let's all get on together and we'll open up the grain markets again and we'll all be happy. 
It's as simple as that. And let's spend money building schools and hospitals and putting people back to work back home. Of course, we live in a lunatic asylum. You're listening to Gerald Salente. Please go to trendsjournal.com. Subscribe to the journal. It's fantastic. Also check out freedompeacejustice.com. Gerald founded and is the director of the Universal Church of Freedom, Peace and Justice. That's an excellent website. Do check it out there. You'll find Gerald on Twitter as well, of course, at Gerald Salente. Before we talk about this NATO expansion in Sweden and Finland and where you feel it's all going, and you've predicted most, if not all of this, you've been talking about this in the journal for the last two years, and here we are. But before that, what about that shooting? You see, people don't own guns in the UK, Gerald, unless they like to go shooting. So it's 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 uh, rural people usually. Most people don't have a gun and um, you know, wouldn't even imagine having a gun. But this, you know, it's it's a horrible story, you know, not not a million miles from, from where you are, this young man um who who they claim was radicalized online, Peyton Gendron. To, and I, do you know, Gerald, I did see some of the video on a pretty dodgy website. I don't go looking for that stuff. But um, it looked horrific, really. This is a stupid question to ask you, but sure, I'll try. I'll chance. I'll try. I'll try you out anyway. How does that happen? How does a kid like that? You know, if they said they were worried about him, how does it happen? All right. <laughs> he, what, he. How does it happen? I forgot to en- mention the other person, the other arrogant piece of garbage scum crap that supported Bush in the Iraq war. Your little boy, Tony Blair. How does it happen that these maniacs kill a million people? Oh, that's all right, Salenti, don't talk about that. What makes those maniacs different than that maniac? Answer me that. Yeah. No, no, answer me that. What makes those maniacs different than that maniac. Well, they kill oh, far more how people. About, yeah. I'll tell you how it's different. How about another arrogant piece of garbage, scum, murderous crap that everybody loves? Barack Obama. The Nobel Peace of Crap Prize winner. I want that guy, this is a quote, Assad has to go. Oh, oh, you're not a maniac? Oh, you mean the guy that running Syria that you killed over 600,000 people and have 5 million refugees? Oh, no, no, not that one, Salenti. That one plus Gaddafi has to go. Oh, you mean Muammar Gaddafi? Libya, the richest country in Africa, where people had more rights and benefits than a lot of places in the world? That's true. Yeah, that What makes that... Oh, oh you know what makes it different? Because Obama... Is so proper. Folks, folks, always folk in us. Do you Open th- change you can believe in, folks. What makes Obama, what makes Blair, what makes Bush, what makes Clinton, what makes Biden, what makes all of these people that have launched all of these wars any different than the psychopath, crazy little bastard that killed those innocent people. So there's a direct correlation between being led by psychopaths forever and the behaviour of some citizens. I can buy that. Yeah, I mean, if you're led by psychopaths who are constantly bombing, murdering and maiming people overseas constantly, yeah, I can buy that. It trickles down, yeah. Yeah, it, it is. 
the fish rots in the head down. Yeah. And all we have are rotted fishes telling us what to do. And these rotted fishes will poison the planet besides. Let's, um, this, this food shortage. Now, again, this is something you've written about in the past, in the near past and in the, in the past past about where these things are going. This is a real concern for people. I listen to commercial and national radio here because I need to know what they're saying. And you do get a good flavour of how, you know, the folks, ordinary people like myself, how they're feeling about things. And the energy crisis leading to exorbitant fuel, uh, petrol prices and, and, and food prices going up, it's already really, really hurting people. Um, then, then you have this Ukraine thing getting worse. You have NATO, Boris Johnson saying today and yesterday, the UK Prime Minister, yeah, yeah, Sweden, absolutely, we'll get Sweden into NATO. We'll get Finland into NATO. They're in the middle of an arms race as well. Billions more spent on building arms. People are a bit terrified. You know, they're, they're thinking World War Three, even if it's not nuclear weapons. They're thinking about not being able to feed their children because, not because they don't have any money, but because there isn't any food. You, nobody's written more about this and more accurately than you that I know. Where is it going? How bad is it going it's to getting, get? It's going to get worse. It's going to continue to get worse again, unless we change this. You know, World War II is not ancient history. It happened one year before I was born. It ended. It's not ancient history. Where were the people to stop the destruction? Where were the, you're losing the war in Germany. Berlin's destroyed. Dresden, oh, they did a great job. Oh, talking about mass murder? How about Dresden? Oh, I forgot Nagasaki. Oh, what about Hiroshima? No, we won't talk about that. But going back to it, everything is getting, the people don't stop it. They march off to war. And if the people don't, there's no peace movement. You know, I'm trying to do the best I can, but we need money behind us. The billionaires are giving money, you know, to, to all these politicians and whatever they want. They're giving nothing for peace. And if we don't stop this, the food shortage, it's going, what food? It's going to be a shortage of life. Again, if Napoleon couldn't defeat the Russian, and I'm totally opposed to Russia's invasion, 100% opposed. And again, you go back to the Trends Journal in, 19, in 2014, we wrote about it in detail, how the United States overthrew the democratically elected government of Viktor Yanukovych in Ukraine. That's right. Victoria Nuland passing out cookies along with another guy should rot in hell is John McCain. And, 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 her caught on a uh, cell phone talking to the ambassador at the time, uh, telling that we're going to put Yatsin as president's F you to the EU. We'll do what we want. And again, so it's, we know about all of this. We know about how it happened, why it happened and what's going on. But with the United States and NATO making a bad situation worse, the food shortages are going to continue to escalate again. Now that, now that, Russia took over uh, uh, Mariupol, uh, they, they've cut off all the access to Ukraine into the Black Sea. 
So you're not going to be getting the wheat. You're not going to be getting the, the uh, barley. You're not getting the sunflower oil. And now with the sanctions put on Russia, you're seeing it's going to continue to get worse. And look at well, look look how brilliant the sanctions work. They put sanctions on Cuba in 1962. Did it change the government? No. No, it hurts the people. They put sanctions on Venezuela. They put sanctions on Iran. Did it change the governments? No. But look what it's done to the people. Now they put these sanctions on Russia. Has it changed Putin? No. Even B.S. Biden said it's not going to quote deter Putin. But I'm so arrogant and stupid. Oh, again, another brave-mouthed little boy. Another fat-mouthed little arrogant warmonger, Biden. Hey, Biden, did you go to the Vietnam War? Uh, no, I, uh, I, got, I got deferments. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. yeah, because I'm a coward like all of the rest of them. Oh, you think, oh, you're talking about, again, a cartoonist. The freakiest cartoonist on the planet, if you said to them, listen, I want you to give me a, a cartoon of a freak that we're going to make the prime minister of the UK, they couldn't have come up with a better cartoon than <laughs> Boris Johnson. That's right. Now, that little yeah. fat, arrogant little boy who lied. Oh, and I love when they get caught lying. They say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, you're not sorry. You're sorry you got caught. Anyway, when you mention about Sweden and and uh, Finland, yeah, Finland, he also said that if Russia attacks either one of them, we will join the fight against Russia. We, a hey, fat boy, you're gonna go. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey little, hey little boy, that if I called you out man to man, you wouldn't know whether to piss or shit. Yeah. You, you're gonna go fight. But he's not because. The Russian military has the capability to hit London in five minutes with one of these hypersonic missiles. Isn't that right? We've learned about these things, these ridiculous payloads that can travel at 20,000 miles an hour or something ridiculous like that. So nobody's going to be taking on Russia. It's a nonsense. Not no. in that sense anyway. No, in no way. In no Again, way. I mentioned Napoleon couldn't do it. Yeah. He left Poland with 420,000 men. There's a famous chart of the march to Moscow comes back with 10,000 Hitler killed between 25 and 27 million Russians. Who were the first ones to beat the Germans? The Russians. Yeah. Now Ukraine's going to beat them. They should have been negotiating for peace. Again, they refused to abide by the Minsk agreement that separated that region after the United States overthrew the democratically elected government of Ukraine and the Eastern Ukrainians weren't going to buy it. And oh, by the way, Russia did not invade Crimea. They had a vote and the vote was monitored by international organizations and it was totally legitimate. It was ratified, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And 96% of the people voted to get the Stay hell with Russia. out of Ukraine. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Our time is nearly up today. Thanks again for coming back. Love having you on. I've been asked to ask you about inflation. Um, it's obviously skyrocketing. Again, not patting you on the back. People deserve, you deserve to be acknowledged when you're right. 
Um, you, you saw this coming and you wrote about it and you talked about it on this programme. How crazy is that going to get? Because I said a moment ago, people are not worried about, you know, they're worried about feeding their families. But they should also be worried about any cash deposits they have in the bank, shouldn't they? I mean, yes. Yeah. Why? Look, all right, here we, we're on the air. All of a sudden, Gerald, they just heard that, the, uh, that something happened on Wall Street. They closed down Wall Street. Yeah. All right. Could you get, I'll tell you what happened on 9-11. I didn't know whether or not they were going to hit the Indian Point power plant that's 40 miles north of New York City because they said that the planes were going down the Hudson River. So one of the first things I did is I called my bank up. I had CDs, and those days used to get used to get interest rates on the money you put in the bank. And I said, I want my CDs transferred out of there because I had my guns gold in a getaway plan. If they hit that nuclear power plant, I'm four hours away from Canada. I was gonna I had my maps out. I was gonna take back roads to Canada, and and. I figured from Canada I could go anywhere, but if they bomb that nuclear power plant, they're going to close down America. So I had my guns, gold, and a getaway plan. And I said, send my money to the Rhinebeck Bank. And it was a bank, in, it was a big bank, but it was bought out you know, by Citigroup now. I forget the name of it. I'm sorry, Mr. Salenti, we can't send your CDs to the bank because certificates of deposit are traded on Wall Street, and Wall Street is closed. You can't get your money. Why would anybody keep their money in a bank if something happens now? They hack the banking system. We're going to do the best we can to get you as the economy's crashing. Again, you saw the covers of the Trends Journal. We warned about this a long time ago before this war happened. When all else fails, they take you to war. COVID war, Ukraine war, world war. When all else fails, they take you to war. The Great Depression, World War II. Dot-com bust, 9-11, book phony markets after it. They, they, they knew these markets were going to crash. All of these, these so-called central banksters, they were all lying. They knew inflation was real. They weren't going to admit it because they wanted to keep pumping cheap money into the system to artificially boost it up yeah. after they destroyed the world with the, with the COVID lockdowns. Can I ask you a quick one on the cash? As far as I know, well, I don't know much about the United States, but here in the UK, deposits are protected, are guaranteed by the government. <laughs> I, I'm hearing it because that's what I was going to ask. So the government here what says we'll cover £100,000, but you don't yeah. believe them. You say no, I'm they won't. I'm telling you, they can lock down the banks. They'll say that they, they hacked the system. Look how they, again, you know me, I was no supporter of Trump. No. But that was a lot of BS about the, the Russians, ha uh, you know, all of that that helped them win the election. They never found any proof. They'll lie about it. I'm saying, why would you keep your money in the bank when they're not giving you any interest on it and making money on your money? Number of people, just before we say goodbye today, have made the point on my website that Vladimir Putin is no angel. Just to point out, I, on myself, I have repeatedly condemned Russia going into Ukraine, invading Ukraine, launching weapons or missiles against uh, civilian, uh, civilian occupied areas in Ukraine. 
don't agree with it, I'm anti-war. And Gerald Salente has done it a thousand times since the invasion. Nobody's supporting Vladimir Putin here. The point is, Western foreign policy has driven us to where we are now. That's one way of looking at it. And you're not hearing that. Perfectly said. Yes. Perfectly said. Again, go back to the Gorbachev-Reagan deal and and later on with with James Baker and Bush Sr. We will not move NATO, quote, one inch further. That's That's a quote. There were 16 NATO countries. Now there were 30 and looks like 32. So now if the Russians were up in Canada and the Chinese were down in Mexico with missiles aimed at the United States, would we like it? Absolutely not. And here's the other one. We're fighting for Ukraine. We're going to do blah, 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 blah. And number one, George Washington no foreign entanglements, and particularly in, in, it's none of my business, because if the United States was in, let's say, against the war with Iran, would the Ukrainians be lining up and giving their money and, and, and saying, we're fighting with you, America? Or if America got in a war with, with, with Mexico, would the Ukrainians be there for us? Subscribe to the Trends Journal at trendsjournal.com and check out uh, the Universal Church of Freedom, Peace and Justice at freedompeacejustice.com, freedompeacejustice.com. Have a brilliant weekend. Thanks for coming back. I look forward to next time, uh, Gerald. Top man, thanks for your time today. Oh, thank you so much for what you do. You're a very brave man and uh, a man of peace and, and, and freedom and justice. So thank you so much. I love being on with you, Richie. Thanks, Gerald. And, and everyone out there, please do what you can. If you want to see where the future is going, subscribe to the Trends Journal. It's the grand total of $2 a week. I know. It's, and if you don't like it, you get your money back. It's a giveaway. It's terrific. Yeah. I, I, I endorse about five things. That's all in the seven, eight years I've been doing this particular program. And the journal is one of those. Godspeed to everyone at the Trends Journal, mate. Speak to you next time. Thanks again. Bye-bye now. Gerald Salente, live from Kingston, New York State. Top man, good to have him on. Lots of comment on that. Let me read out a few of them. We've had an interesting one from Kevin. I'll read that out, Kevin. I'm going to give you a bit of stick, Kevin. I'm not really. Craig says it could be argued that the conflict in Ukraine, among, among other things, is helping Russia and the US get rid of their old military stock. Thanks, Craig. Pandora says any deposit becomes the bank's instantly uh, for any amount. Case law proves this, says Pandora. It's funny you say that. I've brought the point up more than once over the years on the programme when people have asked me about being worried about their, their deposits. So as you know, because you've been listening to me for many years, I, I'm not qualified to give advice on anything. So I don't. I don't give medical advice. I don't give financial advice because I'm not qualified to do so. But I, I, I know for a fact that the majority of people in the UK don't have £100,000 in savings in the bank. I'm one of them. I don't either. Right? Would, would it were so, but no. So, so in theory, um, if banks went down everywhere, the government in this country says, don't worry, we'll cover the lot. But there are a lot of people who don't believe that. They absolutely don't believe it. And um, I don't know the answer to that. Gerald Salente is very sceptical about the government genuinely stepping in 
to secure people's savings. If the banks go belly up, I don't know. Uh, Jenny says, the trouble is if we draw our cash out of the bank and they go digital, will it just be useless paper? Great question. Central bank digital currencies are coming and they're coming soon. The Chancellor of the Exchequer in this country, Rishi Sunak, he's instructed uh, the bank to to, to make a non-fungible token, I think they're, they're called. They're creating the digital currency. And that's coming in. Cash is on the way out and then it's tyranny. Then they can do anything. Good question, Jenny. Kevin says the Buffalo shooting was a hoax. No shell cases ejected. It was a rerun of the Christchurch hoax, says Kevin, right down to the copied dossier. Kevin, you might... Now listen, you do what you want because it's a free world. But you might just consider putting three words at the beginning of that paragraph. In my opinion. You can't prove that. Or if you can prove it, please show me some evidence that the shooting in Buffalo didn't happen, please. Because I saw, regrettably, because I don't like things like that, some of that video looked pretty real to me. Um, So share any other evidence, any evidence to the contrary, share it with me and I'll be happy to say, yeah, uh, you're right. Craig says, sanctions against Russia. Russia had plenty of oil, plenty of gas, plenty of crops. So who is being targeted by those sanctions? We are, says Craig. William says, wars are no more than false flags at their best. War is never needed, but always manipulated and not just today, but since sliced bread itself. Al says, my wife is going back to Gdansk soon. I'll be following her at the end of next month. She has a dreadful feeling she might be stuck there. World War Three. The similarities between promises made to both Poland and the Czechs back in the 1930s uh, and now are clear for all to see. He says the similarities between promises made to both Poland and the Czechs back in the 30s and promises made now are clear for all to see. History is being mirrored. Thanks to Jimmy for your comment. Richard Kelly says the food shortage is probably the main thing we all should be focused on right now. We've had guests on this programme recently who've talked about if if prices for, if food prices will continue to rise exponentially, maybe non-perishable food or food that that um, remains edible for, for much longer periods, maybe it's time to buy some of that food. You know, but it, not prospecting. What, what, what would you call that's not prospecting, really. Um, it's, not, it's not prepping either. Not necessarily prepping um, for, for the apocalypse. But if you, you know, if you like baked beans and you like tinned food, if you like your spam, I'm not being silly here now, but if you like, you know, food that doesn't tend to go off for a year or two, and you eat it anyway, why not buy lots of it now if you have the means to buy lots of it, um, you know, for fear that it might become more and more expensive month on month, maybe. Chris Walker says, Richie, I wrote to you a week ago via the website. Thank you, Chris, for that. Uh, Chris, contact me through the web website, through the contact uh, form, please, and uh, I'll get back to you. Not the best thing to do uh, to leave a message on the comment live because so many of them come in. But I will go and look for 
for your message. Uh, Patricia says, um, Peyton Grendon, the Buffalo mass shooter, as I've always said, says Patricia, question everything. Thanks for that. Gareth says, the power of the media was shown this year. They ended the pandemic by not reporting on it, says Gaz. That's right. Well, once the free COVID tests, eh? Once the free COVID tests um, came to an end, once the government here put a stop to the free COVID tests, all of a sudden, the news media wasn't telling you every hour of every day about how many cases we had yesterday. And yes, it seemed to kind of go away just a little bit. Anywho, this is your Richie Allen Show. The time is coming up for six minutes past six o'clock. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. George Benson, then on your Richie Allen Show. Gareth Syke will be with me in a few minutes' time, live from Derby. Thursday's programme from BBG Towers, stiflingly warm outside. That's nice, isn't it? Back in three. George Benson and Give Me the Night nearly fell out with a big black dude in Marbella back in 2011. George Benson was playing at the Palacio del Congresos. We were given free tickets to see George Benson. I was working with a big black dude called Sonny. Great guy, great radio presenter. You go to, you go to, to, to George Benson, are you? No, says I. Because <laughs> that's one of about three George Benson songs I like. But he took it the wrong way. He took it like I was a bit of a racist. Because I didn't want to go and see George Benson. He had a bit of an argument about it. So no, I don't want to go. Truth was, the, the place where, where he was playing, the, the drinks were like 15 euro a drink. I said, I can't, I can't afford that. That's what it was, really. It's uh, coming up for ten and a half minutes past six o'clock. You don't need me to tell you much about our next guest. He is a former international footballer. Yeah, he really is. He's a brilliant singer-songwriter. He's a broadcaster of great repute. You can uh, watch him every Friday on the Right Now programme, which airs on the Iconic platform. Do check out Iconic.com. It's got... Plenty of terrifically produced TV uh, programs and podcasts. Welcome back, Gareth Ike. How are you doing, guys? How are you, mate? I'm really good. You know, before you came on, David Keane was listening to this. He said, play Jura. I said, if I play Jura, he'll never come on again. Because I play it all the time. I'll play it when he leaves. I'll play it at the end of the uh, the show. One of uh, your many great tunes. Um, it's chaos in the Ike household with young babies and sicknesses and all of that. It's a bit mad at the moment, I believe. Oh, mate. They're sound now, but it was, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was brutal. It was out of both ends. And um, I'm, I'm the last man standing, Richie. It, 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 it didn't get me. It got Gemma. So Gemma was poorly. Um, each one of them had this, this sickness bug. And um, yeah, so I went in Laura's room. And so I was, I was sleeping in her room. And she's, you know, fully potty trained and stuff now. But it was a case of like, we'll just whack a nappy on her just in case. And um, yeah, I was woken up by, yeah, sounds. <laughs> Things were happening. Yeah, but it's all it's all good now. But do you know what's crazy, Rich? Go on. We, we um, basically I, we sold our house at the end of February, right? So I've got a little two bedroom terrace, which you know doesn't work now with me, Gemma, and two kids. So we've we've found ourselves a three bedroom townhouse, which actually is a three bedroom terrace. It's just townhouse makes it sound posher. Yeah, and um, 
And so it's been dragging on and dragging on and dragging on um, in terms of the move. And then the solicitor phoned me on Wednesday evening and said, you're moving on Monday. Ah, congratulations. You must be Thank delighted. Thank you. Oh, mate. But I phoned up um, removal men yesterday morning and the first one laughed at me. He literally just laughed. I went, have you got any availability on Monday? And he just... <laughs> yeah. That's not a good oh, start, okay. is it? That's not a good start when they laugh. Not in a great face. start, no. But we're in the process of that, yeah. So it's chaos, Richie, but soon to be a new beginning. You have enough could... mates there in Derby that can get a few cars together and get a big convoy going down the road. You can even play the song Convoy and use CBs and stuff for the crack if you want. You have enough pals, bandmates that can help you out on Monday, Gaz, surely? You'd hope so, wouldn't you? But I, I, I've seemed to have alienated Stephen, people yeah. over the last couple of years. I don't know how I've managed that. <laughs> now, tell me this. Um, it's funny you mention. I'm glad the girls are, are on the mend. There's nothing worse than top and bottom. I had the winter vomiting bug uh, 10, 12 weeks ago. It's horrendous for three days. Got over, thank God. Now, you um, are pally with uh, somebody I interviewed on this programme, and I enjoyed him, a guy called Dr. Andrew Kaufman, I think. And I watched you do some yes. fascinating interviews with him where you ask him some good questions about um, terrain theory and germ theory. Have, have you learned anything observing the bug running through your three ladies that um, would make you come down on one side or the other? What do you think of that? Because like, I would have been a proponent of germ theory because I remember when I worked with you and Jamie and your dad, if somebody sneezed in the office... I'd end up catching whatever it was. So I would have thought germ theory wins the day. That's the genuine thing. We can pass on uh, the germs to one another. But I'm not so sure now. What do you think? We're laymen. I'm not asking you now for a scientific explanation here. Just what's your, your gut feeling? That's a relief, Richie. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm the same. I, I would very much think that that would be the case. Um, and, and having looked at you know, terrain theory and, and particularly sort of Kaufman's explanations and Tom Cowan's explanations um, in terms of, of, you know, what, what was going on in that house that, that made people sick, um, you know, maybe as opposed to it being something that could be passed to each other. Because like I said, like I was in Alora's bed for three nights running when things were happening and um, I've not even coughed or sneezed yeah. or, or I haven't even done a fart I didn't trust. Right. I've, I've been absolutely fine. So that doesn't really add up in the sense of, of um, spreading germs. Obviously, we're, we're in a little house together, the, the four of us, and I'm absolutely fine. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. It's, it's the beauty of, of, of it, I think, is the fact that even after, you know, about 270 years or whatever it is of germ theory, that it is just a theory. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, the, what's crazy is the fact that, you know, through Pasteur and all that, the whole medical establishment, the entirety of it is built on top of something which has still never been proved after 270-odd years, which is kind of crazy, really. And most people don't even know that, Richie. Oh, but people just go, what do you mean? So, no, it's a theory, mate. And theories are dangerous. We know that. I knew nothing about it either until the scam. And by scam, again, somebody emailed me earlier to say, oh, scam, are you denying? I'm not, I've never denied COVID. I might have had it, whatever it might be, in January of uh, 2020, before anybody heard anything about it. So when I say scam, I mean, there wasn't a pandemic. I mean, we know this now. There wasn't actually a real pandemic. There were sick people, certainly, around the world, but they were mostly much older people. Not that we want to you know, dismiss them and throw them 
into the street or anything like that. But um, the vast majority of people were not affected by this. Gareth Ike is our guest. Brilliant answer that, Gaz. Yeah, uh, it might be the environment. You didn't get sick at all. It could be they shared something. They might water maybe one particular day. They might have, you know, come into contact with water. I'm really open-minded to it. And uh, it's good that that's what Iconic.com is all about, right? It's getting people like that on who've got the qualifications, but they're saying things that are not meant to be heard. That's what you do there. Exactly. And that, that, it's very interesting, Richie, because we had um, Street MD, who's like a total ledge. He, he kind of came to us with this idea of having something called Ask the Doctors, um, which he put together and, and we, we put out on Iconic. And so the first um, episode, it was uh, uh, Dr. Peter McCulloch um, was on there. He was on there. Um, uh, Dr. Ryan Cole was on there. Um, I'm trying to remember the fourth doctor now, forgive me. But but they, they came from very much from an attitude of COVID is a thing. It does exist. Um, and and then the following Ask the Doctors, you had Tom Cowan, you had um, Andrew Kaufman, you had Sam Bailey. And so they were coming from an attitude of it doesn't. And I, I got emails, and I know my brother did as well, you know, from people just saying this is bad messaging, you know, which one, which one is essentially Iconic's um, – line of thought and it's like well it's freedom of speech mate like which one which one did you think was correct good which, man Gaz you're a journalist you know, you've presented both sides of it and it, it's point. irrelevant what you're uh, well it's not irrelevant what you think of it but you've put two intelligent groups of people on your show one saying no it's nonsense the other saying yeah it's real job done that's that's classic journalism yeah and I think you know I think we probably underestimate people a little bit too much in the sense that people can make their own minds up and they they can you know process information and and take a little from column a and a little from column b and i agreed with peter mcculloch on that but i don't quite understand that bit and 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 then formulate an opinion from lots of different views that then is you know richie's opinion or 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 my opinion and, and stuff and I think it's, it's it's dangerous that the so-called alternative um, just becomes a reverse echo chamber to the mainstream. Brilliantly put that. Your old man, and I don't use the term old man disparage in a disparaging way, I mean it affectionately. One of the things I remember discussing with him many, many years ago was this fear that he had about, you know, people... Um, more and more people dealing in absolutes all the time and not being prepared to accept that there are shades of grey in everything. And uh, I remember those conversations now because we're there now where where people have um, are quick to determine for themselves what they feel about something and then they begin to exclude anything and in some cases anybody that doesn't fit in with that. And that's terribly dangerous. And you're right to call out some elements of the independent media for being like that. I mean, you'll have come across this even before Iconic, but you'll have people who, they'll watch the programme and they'll enjoy the programme. Brilliant, because you your guest might be saying something that kind of aligns with their thinking. But then you'll, you've just explained yourself a minute ago, so I don't know why I'm doing this, but then you'll have somebody else on and all of a sudden you become a shill. Oh, It's, mate. In, it's incredible, yeah. isn't it? It's so dangerous, that. It is. I, I became a transgender Freemason. I went well beyond being a shill, Richie. I went the whole hog. I had, um, yeah, I had, I had bits and bobs chopped off and put on. Well, you've got a the transgender Freemason. You've got to, you know, flesh that one out. No pun intended. A bit more. What happened there? 
Well, my, my dad's a Freemason. I'm a Freemason. My brother's a Freemason, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then a guy built a whole website about how um, we were all transgender as well. So I'm, <laughs> I'm actually a woman. My wife's a man. My kids are balloons with faces painted on. I don't know what they are. There must be um, money in this. It was extraordinary, yeah. But what made me laugh um, was they said that that Jay was definitely a woman because he had wide, <laughs> wide childbirthing hips. And it's hard to disagree with that, Richie. Yeah, he does, honest. yeah. Let's be honest about it. The game might be up there for Jay. I mean, this this is silly stuff. I remember the Freemason stuff being, being thrown around all the time. I was foolish enough to tell an anecdote once on the programme. You know, foolish enough to tell the truth, Gaz. Don't when, you dare do that. Well, no, you can't, can you? When um, um, Froggy and myself were in Spain and I was working at her bar, a lovely man from Nottingham, tried to get me to take over a bar in Nottingham. You know this story, you've heard it before. And I'm like, yeah, so we might have a go with that. And I went to Nottingham to have a look at it. It was in Radford, lovely bar. And he said to me, I'll propose you for membership to the Masons, Richie. Now this was, you know, I was doing programmes at that time with, um, with, um, with your father, occasionally. And I know that at the top, top, top levels of the Masons, it's beyond sinister what goes on. We know this. So I told him, you know, I said, it's funny, of all people you ask me about the Masons, and he was kind of confused by this. And he was like, well, you know, if you do get in, you know, it's networking really, Richie. You scrub my back, I'll scrub yours, blah, blah, blah. Doors will be open, blah, 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 blah. Of course, I never joined the Masons. I never took the bar over. I got back into uh, the media. But I should have never said that, guys, because that was a, an admission, a flat admission that I'm in the Masons. That's what I did, you see. I just, I outed myself as a Mason. Some people are funny, guys. You just have to live with them. You you do, mate, and it's funny actually with with my dad because the, the amount when the you must have seen him, Richie, the 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 images that people show to prove that he was oh, yeah. Freemason, but <laughs> they, because they're so old, right? They're they're before the days of Photoshop, right? These are like <laughs> MS Paint jobbies, some of them, and so the quality is horrendous, and it's funny because the the image of his head. Is taken back, I think, from the back of the Freedom Road video box set, which is like bloody years and years old. So it's dead old. But it's the same photo on all the photos of him in different places. So it's like here he is in like 1989 at this, um, at this, um, um, you know, bloody lodge in wherever. Right. And it's like, is that a face? And then here he is 10 years later. It's the same face. <laughs> do, you same know, face. do you know what I, what I, I used to believe that these were people that were working um consciously working to discredit people and up to a certain point that might be true but i also discovered particularly in london and and and, and i say this now with with um kindness i mean this with kindness because things are so bad um and because they were getting so bad for some people they they do go down into dark places and they they get very upset when they begin to think, well, I can't trust anything or anybody. And then that leads them into really dark places. So some of that online where, you know, Ike's a Freemason or, or, some, or, or whatever, that's actually from people that are struggling. It's not always stuff that's put out there by the 77th. Sometimes it's genuine people and I feel sorry for them because things are shite like but you know they've lost all faith in people they they can't hold on to the thought that well you know not everybody is working for the system there are actually people who don't uh, th that's just my take on it you might see it differently no no you're right i think that people genuinely have a paranoia ab about stuff and, and and people can go so far down the rabbit hole that they, they can't really see the way out 
Um, in terms of the transgender, like that, that stuff, like I, I remember uh, going to the gym probably about six months ago and Matt, who, um, who runs the gym came over and was like, yeah, what's this you put on your face with about someone <laughs> saying you're, you know, and, um, and then his, his client was with him, um, that he was training and she, she, um, she's kind of, well, she's not kind of, she is into the information and goes to the London protests and stuff like that. So she, um, so I said to Matt, I said, oh, there's this guy out there who started this website and these people think that all this sort of stuff. And he was like, no chance. It's a wind up. And she piped up and she went, no, honestly, Matt, she said, I've got a friend who believes it. And I was like, really? She said, yeah. She said, I've said to him, oh, no, no, I, I train at the same gym as Gareth. Like I've literally, you know, stood a few yards away from him. He is a bloke, <laughs> you know, he's got, he's got twiglet legs, but he is a bloke. And um and the fellow wouldn't have it. She said he won't have it. He's like, no, no, it's not. It's, it's, it's not. So people genuinely, it's not just a gag. People genuinely believe it. But then I think, you know, women are, are, are more attractive than men. So I'll take that. You'll take that in a heartbeat. Just to finish on this before we talk about more serious matters. I did a silly April Fool's gag about your dad going on Strictly. And um, some people posted underneath it after a day that they were going to have to apologise to him on 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 on, on uh, social media for for abusing him, for for selling out to strictly come dancing. I I, I never I saw I never saw anybody believe in that. I I saw nobody falling for that. Not yeah. not your old man of all people. Let alone the fact that you know he struggled for most of his adult life, of course, with the rheumatoid arthritis and and battles bravely against it. But the amount of people who believed it, <laughs> no. and the fact if you've ever seen him dance, oh, I have seen he's him. Not dance. Go, he's not going on strictly. No, he's not going on strictly. No, he shouldn't um, be allowed dancing the local pub. Let's 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 just leave that one out there. But he um no I did, I got a couple of emails because obviously people email dad and they come through to me. Um, so if anyone wants to abuse dad, I, I get, I get, you that. get the grief, do you? you I get, get the, the grief. grief. Yeah. And I'll think <laughs> I won't, I won't forward that on. Um, but there was a couple, yeah, you know, I, 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 this doesn't surprise me. You'll do anything for money and all sort of stuff. I was like, yeah, all right, mate. All snared, right. snared. Yeah. Anyway, Gareth Ike is our guest, iconic.com. That's I C K O N I C dot, uh, com. Things are getting, um, things are getting scary for people. Now you have a lot of mates, and they, like yourself, they're young, young, youngish people with families with children. Are they cacking it now? I hate to use silly terms like that. You know, it's very expensive when you go to a forecourt. It's increasingly becoming almost prohibitively expensive to go to the supermarket. Are people terrified, Gazi? Are, are your mates saying, Jesus, where is this going to go? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, especially mates with um, that, that have got kids because it sort of changes it changes the game a bit. You know, if you're on, you're on your own as a lad, you can, you know, you can always blag it. Um, but you know, when you've got kids, it's, 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 it's hard. And, you know, people are, are, are struggling. Um, you know, you, you can't triple quadruple the price of anything and have people afford it. Um, so for me, you know, I'm, I, I, I was paying about 64 pound a month, I think for our gas and electric. And, and I then just got a, a text. I mean, what a way to let you know, uh, by the way, it's going to be 200 quid a month. Yeah. And you're like, you're having a laugh. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm moving house, so I've cancelled that anyway. And um, I'm just going to install a log burner and just go from there, mate. This is the best, best thing you can do, really. Um, do you think as that, what, what, do you think if it gets excruciating enough that somehow that will work to the advantage of the people? Because there might be a line in the sand. I mean, if things get so... Somebody said to me many years ago 
there, there will be a revolution. And it's when people who, let's say middle, I hate middle class, let's say middle income people, people who never had loads but were never struggling. Somebody said to me years ago, when those people are absolutely destitute or near enough destitute, that's when we'll see real revolution. What do you think? Of I agree. I agree completely. Richie, I mean, it's that old adage of you know you can you can fleece a sheep as many times as you want, but you only you can only skin it once. So it feels very much now like they've gone too far. Really, they're they're literally they're skinning the sheep, and and so you know that that's not sustainable. It, the sheep's dead. Um, so um, you know, I think they could have you know they could have put prices up like they did in France, five percent, and just creamed another load off the top, maybe. You know, maybe six percent next year. Cream another load off the top, and just kept it going, and almost, you know, a bit like the frog in boiling water, uh, in cold water. Sorry, but by going to such a, a extreme levels, and now they're saying forty percent rise again in October, on top of what they've already done. They're, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, I think that they could cause a revolution. You know, I mean, and all that revolution needs to be is that people cancel their direct debits. That's not paying right. it. That's right. I'm not paying it. I mean, if 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 150 people or even if 100,000 people cancel their direct debits, you're going to be getting knocks on the door and what have you. But you know, how many households are are there in Britain? You know, you've got what 70 million people. You know, say there's 35 million households. I, mean, I don't know how many there are, but say 15 million of them cancel it. You know, have you got enough police officers? Have you got enough bailiffs? Have you got I enough? It. Have you got enough debt collectors to chase those people? Yeah, you're absolutely of right. You you're absolutely right. Gareth Zyke is our guest. On um, on the, the situation that we find ourselves in at the moment, um, people, I, I, I get the impression from people I meet in Salford that they're walking a bit easier because, you know, for them, COVID seems to have gone away and the restrictions are not on top of us at the moment. People are a bit more lighthearted. I notice this. I'm a, I'm, I'm a people watcher. But... We know that this weekend, the UK government, along with another 150 or 170 or even 190 governments, are probably going to hand over control of uh, future pandemics to the World Health Organization. Now, that's global governance. I think, I'm pretty sure somebody look, who looks and sounds remarkably like your father has, for the best part of 30 years, been telling people this is where they want to go. So the, so the point of saying to the World Health Organization, you get now to decide vaccine mandates, lockdowns and all of that, that tells me, Gaz, that COVID hasn't gone away. It's coming back or something like it is coming back, if not this year, next year, and it's going to get more difficult again. What do you think? Was it, is it called monkeypox now? Oh, mon- Gee, thanks for it. I wrote that down to mention that to you. Eight or, eight or nine cases of some weird thing called monkeypox. Do you want to describe it? I've seen the pictures. Well, and the rest, actually. There's, um, Go on. The, the, it, it's, it's all over the place now. Um, Denmark's already bought up vaccines. Um, it's interesting that Bill Gates um, came out about a year ago, didn't he, talking about how the next pandemic would be a smallpox um, yeah, a bioweapon. He was warning about that, and obviously, monkeypox is obviously closely connected to to, to smallpox. Is it sexually uh, transmitted, Gaz? Um, not that I'm aware of. I, don't, I actually don't know the way it's transmitted. No, me um, neither. I'm just you know the way. I mean, I'm sure you do it for your uh, right now program, but you skim the papers, don't you? I skim the papers. I think I read something while um, we're chatting. I'm just going to have a very quick look to see if it uh, if it is. I think there's some. 
some claim has been made that it's uh, it can be sexually transmitted. Apparently, yeah. Wow. Right, got you. Well, yeah. we'll have to have sex back to back then somehow. Um, it, yeah. It, I I, th- I think you know it's like anything. Whenever there was any legislation or, or trying to bring in some anti-terror law or, or anti-gun law, there'd always be a, a terror attack or a shooting within the week of it happening, you know, it's just really, oh God, that just really underlines the fact that we need this treaty to go through. And it just manufactures some consent from the population. Oh God, thank God they are doing this treaty because, oh my God, a bomb's gone off. And, you know, you've got this pandemic treaty coming through from the World Health Organization. Uh, and in the week leading up to it, all of a sudden there's a monkeypox outbreak. And um, and the stories it, keep coming. You, you made a good point um, a moment ago. It's it's every day there are more and more stories about it. So it might not just be it might not be the case that monkeypox is just being mentioned this week while the treaty is going through. They might escalate this monkeypox thing. They might tell us in six weeks' time or in three weeks' time. My God, this is deadly now. We we've got to do something about it. Maybe. Yeah, you might see videos of people in China collapsing with monkeypox. Um. Yeah, it, you know, it makes me hark back to, um, you know, the the next one will will we'll get att- attention, you know, where where Kermit the Frog and Melinda Gates, you know, are like chuckling away whilst talking about a pandemic, which is not normal behaviour. No. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, you you pass that treaty, and and of course, you know, what what is the World Health Organization's response going to be to a pandemic? It will be China's response. It will be, it will be insane. Um, because the, well, well, mandates. Well, yeah, exactly. World Health Organization is Bill Gates and Gavi, and Gavi is Bill Gates anyway, so it's Bill Gates, which is Big Pharma, um, and and everyone else that he is just a front man for. Um, and they openly, Ted Ross and Bill Gates, openly praised China's attitude um, and how they dealt with COVID. Um, so alleged COVID or whatever. So that's you know that that's what they'll do. They'll they want to shut everything down. Um, you know, I don't know what they're going to blame monkeypox on. Climate change, I assume. It's they, probably climate change's fault. Yeah, they might do. They they say this was first discovered. At, now, before anybody thinks I'm trying to sound like an expert, I'm reading Wikipedia as we speak. They say that this was discovered in um, 1958 by a guy called Preben von Magnus in Copenhagen in Denmark in crab in crab eating macaque monkeys. That's where it came from. Allegedly, they were used as lab animals. There was an outbreak in 2003 in America, and that was traced to prairie dogs who who, who were infected from an imported Gambian pouched rat. Yeah, that's a good point you make there. Yeah, and they'll talk about wet markets again, won't they? They were talking about wet markets uh, on talk radio this morning about how the World Health Organization wants to basically eliminate wet markets uh, from the world to prevent these animal-to-human uh, viral transmissions. It's all getting scary, guys. And and then you factor, you mentioned climate change. Do you feel that the next big um, chapter of this whole uh, Great Reset thing is... Obviously, keeping the pandemics, but but moving right on now to we have to do something about climate change once and for all. Do you feel that's coming next? Uh, almost certainly, almost certainly. Yeah, I mean, I think what a lot of I think COVID is the was the Trojan horse that got them within the walls uh, of the fortress, and the pandemic treaty is um, basically just signing over ownership of of the fortress walls. To be honest. Um, but COVID will come out. Um, climate change, sorry, will come uh, in in the uh, in the back of that. It's all connected to each other. Um, it's all the same faces pushing the same things. 
um, which makes me laugh. You know, I was looking at this the other week and it's you've got Obama, you've got Al Gore, who's obviously, you know, one of the most infamous in terms of pushing this climate alarmism. Um, Bill Gates, you know, uh, the world's oceans are going to be taken over these areas by such and such a date. Jeff Bezos is pushing it and giving a million quid, which to him is like a round of drinks. And within the last however many years, um, each of those has bought million, 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 multi-million dollar beachfront houses. Um, which they makes have. me laugh. They have, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, can, I, can I share something with you? I interviewed for the second time last night a barrister called Robert Hansen, who's come back from Hong Kong. He's a British barrister who opened a firm in Hong Kong, spent 20 odd years there. Really, really lovely gentleman. And very bright too, not because he's a barrister. He's bright because he, he, he understands a lot of what's going on and he articulates it very well. Do you know what he said to me? And it chilled me to the bone last night. It really did because I never considered this. He said to me, you know, Gaz, the way you're moving into your new townhouse now and God bless all who sail in your new townhouse, you and the girls, you're moving in. That, um, that house and the house you're leaving will have an energy efficiency rating, right? Yeah. Right. Now, I, w w we are three years now in the house that we bought. In fact, three years almost to the day. And when we were doing the buying thing, I saw that we had a 62 score, an energy rating of D. And I didn't think much of that. I just thought like that this is kind of like a buyer beware. Like beware now that it's going to cost you more to heat this house. That's what I thought, right? That's all, that's, this is how you naive I am. And if your father were to be listening to this today, he'd probably call me every name under the sun because he'd probably say that he spoke about this years ago, but I don't remember him speaking about it. What he said to me last night chilled me. He said the energy efficiency ratings were introduced to eventually get you out of your house, even if you own the freehold, to eventually, in sometime in the near future, to get you out of your house, that your house is, um, has too much of a carbon footprint. We really can't do anything about it. We can't get it up to a B rating or an A rating. So therefore, you're going to have to leave it. And they'll either use a compulsory purchase order or they won't. They'll just get you out of it. And what he was saying to me made so much sense, but it chilled me to the bone. Do you know that? It, but again, you know, to go back to what you said earlier, that these could be these horrifically in-your-face things yeah. that will finally get people to wake up because... You know, so much of the stuff has been allowed to happen over the last two years and, and for God, for since the dawn of time, basically, because people think it's ridiculous. Ah, they wouldn't do that. They're nonsense. Uh, Ike's off on one again, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Whereas if, you, if you're at a level where you're doing things like that and it's affecting people and they could see it with their own eyes, you know, you might just get that revolution that you need. Um Please, God, Gaz. Maybe I'm being optimistic, Richie. No, I don't know. I think you're right. I mean, what you described there about people seeing her having a laugh. I remember years ago, you'll remember this. Um, some bloke recognised your dad as a footballer. Amazingly. Not amazingly, but that's how he recognised him. He didn't recognise him as a crazy conspiracy theorist. He recognised him as the guy who played for Coventry in Hereford and it was on the Arsenal books. And he was chatting away very amiably and said, what are you doing now? Your father said, well, I write these books and I do this and I, I look into things. And when your father said, well, I believe that governments uh, and, and security, um, sorry, intelligence agencies, they kill innocent people and they blame it on others in order to, to bring in, you know, dystopian rules and regulations. The guy was so offended, he got up and he ran out of the pub. 
well, there you go. I wonder right? what he's thinking now. I wonder. I wonder. And, and you know, I was going to ask you, do you see any humility, really? Because I don't see it. And I'm not one of those um, childish, you know, kind of, nah, 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 nah. I'm not a child like that. But I have asked people who've written about me. You've been written about in the press. They've written Bibles worth of stuff about your father in the press over the years. They've written about all of us, obviously him more than anyone else. Um, I've got in touch with journalists. Sky did a, a feature on this programme where they mocked me for, for talking about climate lockdowns. A week later, there was a climate lockdown in India. So I got in touch with the journalist, professionally, Gas, and I said, um, come on now, you know, do, do you not at least owe me a, Jesus, we're sorry, Richie, that we laughed at you on Sky News there. Nothing, Gas. No, you won't. <laughs> you won't get it. No, Nothing. I think- you know, in terms of um, of the lockdowns and stuff, when I did that interview with the Times, which I shouldn't have done, and actually if you read that interview, um, it, it doesn't read very well and it makes me feel like there were sections taken out of it perhaps by an editor because no it doesn't doubt. actually flow particularly well. No doubt. But, but I, I spoke to the guy for an hour and I got so many things across and he let me speak and there was, he was asking, you know, he was he was digging a bit and poking, which is obviously his job and... And I was, I was, you know, answering and, and, and he was saying, you know, well, that's a yeah, fair point, actually. You know, and I, I really thought, you know, here we go. I'm getting through here, you know. And he was saying, you know, but you're telling people to not wear a mask. I was like, no, 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 I've never done that. And he's like, what? I said, oh, watch that, you know, that speech back again. I never tell people what to do. I make a real point of that. You know, I say I'm not doing it. Everyone else should be able to do what the hell they want, you know. Otherwise, I'm just as bad as you lot. Oh, OK, fair point. I'll amend that then. Um, and then when the piece came, you know, out, they they didn't really, you know, they didn't put in any of the stuff I'd spoke about. The fact that lockdowns yeah, were having such a huge effect on people that I knew more people that had killed themselves than I did had got this stupid virus. Um, they didn't print any of that. They they put a picture of Gemma when she was pregnant with me, despite the fact that Alora was two at the time, because it creates that, you know, look how look how how dangerous he's been. He's got a pregnant wife and everything. He's you know he's a horrible man. All, all intentional, obviously, you know, and um, and now I look at what's in the in the papers and in, in the news of the fact that the you know God the suicide levels of lockdown the 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 um the the waiting lists because of lockdown the this the economy because it's like mate the tinfoil hat idiots were telling you this two years ago and you were you were would you email the guy who did the piece and say to him listen could you have the the manners to at least apologise to me because you're right. They've said that it's devastated children's mental health. This week, there's been several stories about children who won't go back to doing the things they used to do, um, extracurricular things they used to do. So, so you were bang on the money. Would you, would you even drop them a paragraph to say, come on, pal, you know, let's have a bit of uh, decency here? Um, depend if I'd had a glass of wine or not, Richie. <laughs> Don't drink and type, guys. <laughs> Don't drink it. But isn't that a, the, the tactic of taking an old photograph of you and Gemma while she was heavily pregnant? It's pathetic, isn't it? How did they sleep at, at night? I'm no angel. I'm not a perfect guy. I have as many faults as, as anybody. You know damn well. I can be a curmudgeonly bastard, me. But I could never do that to anybody. When I worked in commercial uh, and national for a while, media, I couldn't do that, guys. Stitch people no. up like that, you know? No, it takes a, a special kind of character, um, to be honest. But what's funny is dad phoned me. He was like, what's this about you talking to the mainstream media? Because obviously Jay had said something. And I was like, yeah, I spoke to a guy from the Times. He was like, dead friendly. And dad's like, oh, for f- Yeah, 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 yeah. For free. And then, then the, piece, <laughs> the piece comes out and it's like, yeah, okay, well, lesson learned. No, no, you know. that, that, that suggests... Um, uh, 
I've known you quite a few years. That suggests some silly naivety on your part. Uh, I don't think it does. I would have done it as well. I would have said, yeah, go on, I'll do it. I was asked to do something for, for a documentary with anti-Semitism and I said I would do it so long as I could film the interview so they couldn't stitch me up later on. Uh, but I would have done it. If the Times rang me tomorrow and said, let's, let, you know, let's talk to you, they won't. But, but I would, um, even still, you know, for the crack. So I don't believe it's, um, it's naivety. And you get to demonstrate, you get to show through the excellently produced programme. Uh, congratulations to Gemma and team, by the way. It's a brilliant show, guys. It really is. But you get to show it. You get to, you know, you get to highlight that. Look at these bastards. They stitch you up. And then two years later, the same newspaper, because I robbed a story from the Times this week, talking about the devastating impact of lockdowns on children. You yeah. know, no shame. They're shameless, guys. There's no shame. And, and, you know, you get people like Piers Morgan now that are going, oh, you know, enough's enough. And you're like, are you seriously having a laugh, mate? You have been the absolute king of kings for pushing for lockdowns and forced jabs and all this stuff. And now you're desperately clambering to get on the right side of history. And, uh, you know, they're very naive if they think people will forget. Because, you know, pe people might forgive, maybe, but they won't forget. 40,000 viewers, guys. It's pathetic. He started off with the Trump interview with around 300,000. It was bound to have a fanfare. The uh, the debut, the premiere of his new show. Uh, he's now losing to Farage. He's getting about forty to 50,000 viewers. I swear on all that is sacred to you and me, there is about three times more than that listening to this programme now. It's, that's it's, that, that's it's, a fact. Pe people, you know, in the end, people See like him, yeah. Piers, Piers Morgan, they're just another, almost like another Simon Cowell in a way, in the end, they, you know, they make whatever they make off the back of other people. Yeah. Uh, and then in the end, people can see through it. It might take a while, but in the end, they can. And, and people are sick of them. People don't care what Piers Morgan says anymore. Um, and, you know, why would they? Hey, listen, before we let you get back to uh, the family, thanks for your time today, by the way. I do recommend, dear listener, that you do check out iconic.com, I-C-K-O-N-I-C.com. It's done some brilliant programming. It's doing brilliant programming. And you all know about the documentary that they were able to make with Jackie. Jackie couldn't have done that without Iconic. Um, uh, uh, remind me, guys, a, what, what was it called again? Jesus Christ. A good, a good death. A good death. Yeah, you, 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 you broke that story. Jackie broke the story. You gave her the first interview. The documentary is brilliant. Um, so before we say goodbye, give a big plug for the platform. It's brilliant, guys. Thank you very much, Richie. Yeah, we're, we're really, I feel like we're, we're getting there now um, because, you know, we're learning on the job um, with, with what we're doing. And so the Right Now show has kind of grown organically. And it is funny, like, and you'll, you know, I'm sure we'll, 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 we'll be able to vouch for this in the sense that you were probably in this situation once where I was, I was begging for interviews with yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, oh, mate, I was begging. And, it, and, you know, a lot of people were looking at the surname and panicking. We had people that were booked and then pulled um, because of the surname and stuff. And it's gone from that now to where, you know, I'm forwarding, uh, people are messaging and I'm forwarding it on to, to Gemma and she's going, oh man, we've booked up for like three weeks now, like um, with really big guests and stuff. And that's, that's amazing. It's, it's taken obviously a year of us doing it to to get that bit of credibility where people, you know, will now look. Uh, in terms of a whistleblower, I get it. Like, do I want to go on a telly where someone could grill me, make me look like an arsehole? 
you know, and whatever. And obviously they, they, there's, they've seen enough of the show now to, to realize that I'm not like that and you're not like that. And I'm going to let you talk. I'm going to ask questions because that's my job, but yeah. you're going to get a fair, you know, a fair crack. And No, you're not shy of asking a question that challenges what you've been told, but you do it like a gentleman and then you give somebody the space. It's like your old man always said, the if the information is, is, is in any way accurate, it'll stand up to any scrutiny, but allow people to speak. Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, that's that's helped. And then what's also grown the show a bit, I think, is is that Richie um, Willett is, it does the deep dive show now. So um, people would come on, talk for 15 minutes. And sometimes, you know, you can really only really scrape the surface in 15 minutes. But then that guest will then go on to the deep dive where they can talk for an hour about the same subjects and really get, you know, hence the name deep dive, really get in depth into it. So, you know, it's 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 getting there. And I, I feel like I'm kind of becoming more comfortable Richie in what I'm doing you know when I first started I was a I was a TV presenter and I remember Jay going what are you doing I was like I don't know I don't know how to be like and then in the end it's like we'll just be yourself and it's taken a while to to be comfortable enough in your skin as a presenter because I never wasn't anything I ever thought I'd ever do no but you've got a natural no. talent for I remember the um I remember the band show that we that we when I say we I, I didn't have anything to do with it but it was part of uh, TPV in London and uh, I knew prior to that that you'd done bits and pieces but you hadn't done something like that before and I remember nudging my missus and I remember nudging Simon the director saying Jesus this guy's a real natural I mean you're a good looking bastard anyway which pisses me right off so, so you've got that to start with but um, you've got a real easy going natural presence there it's good that you don't think that though it's good to kind of keep a bit sharp and keep a bit edgy and be a bit nervous about what you're doing because I think if you're not it's never going to be great like and, and good is the enemy of great and you want to be great you want to aspire to be great and I, oh, I think absolutely. that's what you're doing Abs- you know? absolutely yeah and it's just being the best version of yourself um, otherwise, you know, what's the point? <laughs> but sort of my attitude. I, I just think if I'm going to do something, I want to do it right. Otherwise, I won't bother doing it. Don't bother getting out of bed. Well, look, we um, we love hearing from you. And uh, I hope it won't be too long before we hear from you again. Iconic.com, I-C-K-O-N-I-C.com. On behalf of the listeners, best uh, wishes to uh, the old man, to Jamie, uh, to your mum, Linda, and to everybody else. Gemma, of course, who I got to know who uh, produces right now. It's great work, guys. Really, really impressed with it. And um, to your own, Gemma, and the girls, the best of uh, luck as well with the move. Congratulations on that and speak again real soon, guys. Magic. Cheers for having me, Richie. Thanks, mate. Anytime, buddy. Uh, That's our great pal, Gareth Ike, live uh, from Derby. And good luck to him and the family on on the move. I found... I'm I'm somebody who gets a bit stressed. But if my other half was was present and correct, she'll tell you that three years ago she was proud of me because I knew two weeks before we made the move from Fallowfields to Salford, I knew that there was a good chance that I was going to make a scene and be grumpy and angry and irritable and bitchy all day because I get stressed with stuff like that. But I don't know if I did some sort of, um, I don't know, some sort of kind of self-hypnosis but I managed to you know convince myself on the eve of the move the move happened on a Friday that I was going to be on my best behaviour and that no matter what happened or no matter what went wrong 
I was going to just relax and just smile and grin and keep in mind that in a couple of days it wouldn't matter. And I did it bloody, I remember, I, I, it, it, it actually worked, that, that coaching session I had with myself. It's a stressful thing, moving. Now, it, it, who's got in touch? Gary's got in touch through Patreon. This is interesting because I, I don't um, often get an alert from Patreon but this is interesting. Gary says, Richie, monkeypox can be caught from infected wild animals in parts of West and Central Africa. It's thought to be spread by rodents, such as rats, mice and squirrels. You can catch monkeypox from an infected animal if you've been bitten or you touch its blood, body fluids, spots, blisters or scabs. It may also be possible to catch monkeypox by eating meat from an infected animal that has not been cooked thoroughly or by touching other products from infected animals such as animal skin or fur. It's very uncommon to get monkeypox from a person with the infection because from a person with the infection because it doesn't spread easily between people but it can be spread through uh, touching clothing, bedding or towels used by someone with the monkeypox rash, touching monkeypox skin blisters or scabs, the coughs or sneezes of a person with the monkeypox rash. That's Gary Files. Thanks, Gary. That's why I, yeah, it does make sense that I did read in one of the papers, it might have been the Daily Mail, some mention of sexual transmission. So they might have said it's very uncommon, but they might have said it's possible. Uh, thanks for that bit of research on the run there, Gary. I appreciate uh, your help. The time is coming up for six and a half minutes to the top of the hour. Okay. Jimmy says, unfortunately, I think the green agenda and all the tyranny that goes with it and the pandemic is managed. Um, this, it's, it's a managed descent of our rights and our thinking. How else are they going to achieve their goal of us owning nothing? This would be how you would do it. Manage us all down gradually, but we must believe in a brighter future which we can all make happen. Thanks for that, Jimmy. That's uh, interesting that, mate. Appreciate that. Okay, let me scroll on down. Plenty of comments there. I missed, I missed so many of them. Neil mentions Bill Gates' new book. Uh, does Neil. Thanks, Neil. He is plugging a book. He's hawking a book around uh, television news channels, is Gates. Uh, his new book says, We need a germ team, 1,000 staff, World Health Organization Treaty. That's the blueprint. Uh, and he's gotten that from the Corbett report, apparently. Thanks for that, Neil. Okay. Keen says he believes the UK is one of the top 10 contributors to the World Health Organization in terms of money. That'll be right, Keen. But Bill Gates contributes more than any nation state to the World Health Organization. Isn't that right? Or the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. The Dodge says, Welsh Minister for Health said earlier this evening that monkeypox is rare and hard to catch, spread mostly by touching clothes, towels, etc. Exactly what Gary said. Thanks for that, The Dodge. I really appreciate that. Yeah, but it is, it's funny, reading the newspapers today, The Telegraph, The Times and what have you, and watching Sky and the BBC, it is getting a lot of mentions for something that is seemingly very difficult to contract and that even then is very, very, very rarely serious enough to be fatal. So, yeah, why? Maybe Gareth is right, maybe. It's only getting all of these mentions now because this coming weekend 
will be the weekend when all of that power to manage pandemics will be given exclusively to the World Health Organisation. Thanks so much for all of these comments. Patricia says, I saw a meme that was a motorcyclist who identified as a bicyclist and was winning all the bike races. It made me laugh, says Patricia. That is funny. Gender identity. The issue of trans women or men competing with uh, real women in athletic events, which is still obviously a big a big issue. It's still getting a lot of coverage in the media. That's um, pretty much it for the programme today. Thank you to my guests, to uh, Gareth Ike. Check out iconic.com, I-C-K-O-N-I-C.com. Check out the content there. It's excellent. And uh, please do check out the Trends Journal at trendsjournal.com and subscribe to it. Uh, it's a couple of bucks a week. It's brilliant. Gerald Salente and team in Kingston, New York State. The next time you hear from me will be Sunday morning at 10 o'clock on the Melodies programme. That's Sunday morning Melodies at 10 o'clock. That is a chilled programme with some old tunes, some songs and stories, me and you, just me and you, on a Sunday. You enjoy your weekend. Look after yourselves and one another. Closing out with, we'll play this for David. It's Ike and Jura. It's a great, great tune, this. He sang this at his wedding for me because I asked him. See you Sunday. <laughs>